We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Abner Marez is a world champion boxer, Olympian, sports commentator, and most importantly, dad to two little girls. Beloved by abuelas and hardcore fans alike, Abner is pro at entertaining the world both in and out of the ring. On Blue Wire's new podcast, On the Hook, with Abner, we'll hear from Abner, his family, fellow athletes, and other people who've made him the boxer and the man he is. They chat about topics like the state of boxing, sports, music, culture, and family life. Listen to On the Hook, where Abner Marez, wherever you get your podcasts. Episodes in English out on Tuesday, episodes in Spanish out on Wednesday. Blue Wire. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to Brooklyn Buzz. I'm Nick Faye. With me as always, Jack Manuel. Jack, how are we doing? There is more Nets news, Nets news, Nets news. Yeah, this is a trend. You know, the Nets are popular now. We got the big stars. You know, we get negative headlines, positive headlines, whatever it might be. We're going to discuss it. As always, you can catch the buzz on all streaming platforms, including otgbasketball.com and Blue Wire Pods. But, Jack, where are we starting today? We're going to start off with Spencer Dimwitty, Nick. Ooh. And he has parted ways with Raymond Brothers and the Rock Nation Agency. Spencer, uh, Sean Serrania was the one that reported it. Spencer Dimwitty responded on Twitter with a little bit of a quote tweet. Utmost respect for Raymond Brothers as he will continue to be my mentor. He did post a bit of a cryptic Instagram sort of thing, but maybe it was just, that's just his vibe. He's literally cryptocurrency king and cryptic <laughs> is just part of his, his aura. Uh, via Brooklyn Nets 85, he posted like a bit of an icy sort of photo of him on his Instagram. And it said, but when the world needed him most, he vanished. Hashtag avatar. Now, that could be just be random, cool, funny quotes or whatever, or it could be Spencer Dinwiddie. Now he's going to leave the Nets. Uh, Spencer Dinwiddie is gone, right, Nick? 
Yeah, I have no idea. I mean, obviously, that's from Avatar The Last Airbender. That's the, like the little theme song that starts before the show. So that's funny. But um, it was interesting. And I found it interesting. Not that he changed agents because that's something you commonly see. But he's only been with Rock Nation for a year. I want to say he signed with them last September when, you know, Kyrie signed or well, like along that whole aspect where a whole bunch of Nets players, it felt like we're signing with Rock Nation. And for him to leave, it could signal something, but it also could signal nothing. Because like you mentioned, you know, Spence is a guy that's into tech, into cryptocurrency, kind of into doing things differently than other NBA players. We saw that whole thing where him allowing people to kind of bid on his contract, bid on where he's going to go next. So it's really hard to gauge what means anything. And Spencer's also a guy that likes to play into things and likes to kind of, you know, play into the media, play into social media, have some fun with it. Like you said, stir the pot, get things cooking. So, you know, we'll just wait and see. It wouldn't completely surprise me if he were to be traded when the transaction window started, but I still find it unlikely that the Nets would be like that rash to make a move. Like they're not going to dive into something unless it's something they feel really confident about. No, and we'll obviously revisit about the the 45 rumors that always come up <laughs> for the Brooklyn Nets in this offseason again because, you know, there's always little tidbits that we can discuss further. But on, on Spence and Nick, I think that, if anything, you could look at it from the other respect yeah. and sort of say, well, if he's representing himself, he doesn't have to give that agent 10, 20%, whatever it is of the contract, and he's getting, what, 20 million in his next contract you know that goes straight into his pocket rather than having to and maybe he can take unders to stay Mm -hmm. at the Brooklyn Nets going forward or whatever other you know team he he decides to go to so for me it's it's something that could be construed as a positive and I I did a little bit of like Twitter sort of sleuthing around and stuff and you can you know uh, confirm this with me because you're a much greater football fan than I am an NFL fan than I am Richard Sherman, did he do something similar for... He plays for the Seahawks or something? Uh, He played for the Seahawks, now he plays for the Niners. He may have. I'm not 100% sure. It does sound like something Richard Sherman would do, like Spencer doing with an extremely smart athlete, kind of doing things differently, willing to speak up about different topics and things along those lines. So it wouldn't surprise me. And other players have done it before. Somebody mentioned in my mentions on Twitter, uh, Tobias Harris, I believe, does it. And also Ray Allen did it when he was in the league. Okay, so yeah, it, it's not something totally out of your knee, but it certainly does fit Spencer Dimwini's persona. Yeah. And like I did put out there, uh, he's going to be getting paid Bitcoin, uh, whatever the rate of that is, whenever he signs his new contract. So we'll certainly wait and see about that. Is that is that but... really intriguing thing, and not to get off topic, but like if no. they paid him in Bitcoin, like maybe he'd be open more to that idea because Bitcoin is like drastically gone up in value. Like Bitcoin, I want to say is like. Don't quote me on this, but I want to say it's valued at almost $2,000 right now in terms of like the value still going up and up. So like that would be something that would insert interest Spencer Dinwiddie, but I'm not sure if it's legal with the CBA or if the Nets are into that as well. Yeah, I mean, he's tried to do a couple of things that have sort of gone past <laughs> the CBA in, in a lot of different yeah. ways. And Sean Marks is certainly a by-the-book guy, even though he does a lot of outlandish and crazy awesome things. Uh, the, 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 the New Zealand wizard, the Kiwi wizard, as I like to call him. But Nick... Um, I guess anything else to do, just a final sort of thought before we do move on to, to Kevin Durant. Does Are you looking into this as a point of Spencer is going to be staying, Spencer is going to be leaving, or is it sort of just you know news that is going to be overanalyzed, or is it something just like, oh, Spencer's spending too much time with Kyrie Irving, as was about the all 45 top comment mentions in Sham Sarania's tweet? Uh, no, I don't really look too much into it. I mean, like you kind of said, it fits Spencer Dinwiddie's vibe and like the persona he has. So I think it's not, I want to say expected, but it's something I'm not surprised by. And I mean, like at the end of the day, 
we all kind of know that Spencer probably wants to get a, a big payday. Like he took a pay cut to be with the Nets. That contract he signed was definitely in value of the Nets. So his next contract, he's surely going to be looking for some money. Yeah, no doubt. It's probably going to be similar in the realms of what Joe Harris did. You know, we thought it was under for first up with that two years, six years. Year's $16 million deal. A lot of other people in the general media didn't, and now they have, they have clear egg and everything else <laughs> on their face, pie on their face. But Spencer Dimity obviously is a much better player than $10 million per season. He is, again, the Nets have him, Karras, Joe, you know, there's basically every deal but DeAndre Jordan and Toyin Prince on their roster right yeah. now is a below market value deal. Yeah, I agree. And I would say this about Spencer, too. Another reason I think that he's probably looking for a big payday in 2021 is because he has a lot of off-the-court aspirations, like in terms of investing in his own business and things like that. He's even said he wants to create his own Iron Man suit. So that's going to take some major fun. So I would lean towards that. Obviously, we'll discuss that later in the season and next year, too. Yeah, no doubt the Iron Man suit is going to be an emergency buzz podcast for sure. <laughs> Imagine in black and white, that'd be tough. Oh, man, don't get me. I, I mean, I've got uh, an Amazon gift card that I'm looking at. <laughs> um, I wonder how much an Iron Man suit costs. Probably a little bit more than some Brooklyn Nets shorts. We'll have to uh, look at that. But Nick, <laughs> probably, probably. Maybe it's cheaper if I pay in Bitcoin. But we'll move on to Kevin Durant, Karis LeVert, and Kyrie Irving all working out at Kobe Bryant's facility in Los Angeles. Nick, does this basically every sort of shot, a lot of the shots of Kevin Durant shooting, uh, we saw Karis sort of just being like sort of like eyes wide open, yep. you know, looking like you know, does this make you again we're going to overanalyze it because we can it because we're going to it makes you happy because it makes you feel like your boy Karis is going to be sticking around i think so i think it gives you a little bit more confidence in that you know Karis has been working with katie for a while we always reference 2016 kevin durant's going out of his way to kind of acknowledge the improvements that Karis has made and even mentioning he's been surprised by how good he actually is as a player so even if Karras isn't on the Nets, I look at this as a positive and just spending more time with one of the best offensive players in NBA history. You can't really look look against that. And I think, I want to say it was Matt Brooks who posted, it was like KD shooting the pull-up mid-range jumper, and then he posted a clip of Karras doing the same thing. You know, it makes sense. You know, just absorb what you can because this is a guy that can teach you a ton of things, and it could drastically help Karras divert next year. You might not see it in the stat sheet, but it could help the Nets in terms of wins and losses. Yeah, they do have... Not the same body type, but similar body types. Yeah, they're long and rangy. Obviously, Kevin Durant, Slim Reaper, uh, Slim Reaper, sorry, um, and and Karras. You know, we've obviously probably since this baby KD, <laughs> yeah, baby KD. Since this podcast inception, it's always been like, oh, wait till Karras puts on some muscle. Wait till Karras puts on some muscle. And it's like, yeah, he has put it on a little bit, but he's just generally gotten stronger. Yeah. And Kevin Durant doesn't have to put on weight to be strong. Even some of those picks, though, you know, he's yeah. got the tank going. You know, those deltoids are looking nice. You know, maybe KD's been, because he can't actually work out his legs, he's been spending, you know, you've been getting back to the gym, I know, Nick. He's been spending a lot of time in his upper body a little bit, maybe. Yeah, I think KD's also a guy that you underestimate in terms of his strength because he's so lengthy. You know what I mean? Like, when you have arms that long, like, your muscles just aren't going to pop because it's literally, like, a foot-long bicep, maybe even longer. Like, so it's just not going to be as defined or as big because it's so long and lanky. So, I mean, overall, and it was good to see KD out there looking like his normal self, just beautiful on the court. And then the fact that Kyrie, KD, Karis, all in L.A., you get kind of positive vibes from that. So I don't know if any other Nets are there. Maybe they didn't make the picture, but it is positive for those three. I know, I think you retweeted, Spencer's been working out as well, yeah? 
I believe so. Yeah, 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 yeah. With Montrose Harrell and some other guys. Christian Wood. I think Jalen Hands was there as well. Yeah. So, the, yeah, yeah, the guys getting in work. And Spencer had the shirt off as well. We've got a, we've got a, a fit, good-looking team, Nick. Let's, I'll just yeah. put it that way. Um, you know, Not enough content for the OnlyFans just yet. That's just for, specifically for Joe Harris. But who knows? It might, it might have to turn into a full Nets one. Yeah, well, let's, uh, maybe I'll, I'll, I'll widen the range. Maybe I'll get some more subscribers. We'll wait and see. We'll wait and see. Uh, I guess we'll, we'll obviously keep touching on that going forward. It, KD's seen, obviously, him working out. We're going to overanalyze that to the nth degree. Seeing Karras there is obviously a really positive sign. And Kyrie doing his thing, too. But Nick Stanvan... Does it give does... you more confidence in Karras being on the team, Jack? Or do you don't think it really matters? Yeah, yeah, it does. It, uh, I think that... Um, Brooklyn Nets 85 um, put out a, a really good sort of tweet. It's like, you know, all the things align with the fact that, you know, he's going to stay. You know, one of Kevin Durant's been working out with him for the past three, four years before he was even in Brooklyn. Um, Sean Marks' first pick um, yep. as, a, as a GM in the draft. Uh, a below-market deal. You know, uh, we'll get a culture little setter. Culture setter. In, in a sense, you know what? I'll bring it up now, Nick. I put out a tweet. Uh, about around Drew Holiday. This sort of leads into it a little bit with the Stan Van Gundy hiring. The poll I put out, you probably voted, was would you rather have next season these two? Karis and Jarrett or Drew Holiday? What did you respond with? I don't even know if I voted because I was so torn. I, was like, <laughs> I, I think I retweeted, but I was like, yo, I don't even know what I would pick. I think like you look at it and Drew Holiday as like the fit, you understand why it makes so much sense, but it's so hard for you to be like, to trade away Karis and Jared Allen because they're both guys that can get better. Like, and we saw them drastically improve in a short period from March to August. You know what I mean? Like they both upped their game. The question is how much better can they get? And the only thing I would say in that deal, I don't feel like the Nets, I feel like Levert and Allen probably maybe have much more value in terms of a trade package, but in terms of fit, you make the argument Drew Holiday kind of fits the team better i don't think i'd pull the trigger on that trade in the offseason that'd be something i'd wait to the trade deadline and be like all right our defense has to get better we have to up this like we need to make changes that would be a trade i would make i don't know if that's like the first trade i accept i don't think i probably do in the offseason i kind of wait for it and it seems like with the stan van gundy hiring they're going to probably lean towards keeping drew Nice segue, my friend. You've been doing this podcasting for a little while. You put it on Twitter. Does Stan Van Gundy make? Does the Stan Van Gundy hiring make a holiday trade more or less likely? One thing I will say before you jump in, Nick, is from the Pelican side of thing. You know, we obviously were a Nets podcast, so we purely yeah, analyzed yeah. it from that. From, from, from the Pelican side of things, does Karis work alongside Ingram and Zion? Yeah. I don't hundred percent know or think so. If anything. Drew Holiday is a better fit. David Griffin has also said, you know, he's our, he's the MVP. And, like, yeah. he didn't say it as, like, our team. He said it as, like, a general sort of statement. It was also said in relation to uh, Woj, I think, put out a tweet saying uh, about the defensive identity that they want to create with yep. Stan Van Gundy and how he can do that. Pretty sure Drew Holiday would be a big part of that as being, you know, one of our favorite defenders in the league. Again, we've seen him in person. I'm never going to forget that night of just yeah. how... Damn good, him and Anthony Davis. It was a again. fun game, yeah. Man, uh, it's it's probably why it makes us higher on Drew Holiday because we've seen him in person. Um, but in in saying that, do you what were your if you were to respond to your own tweet, how would you have responded? What do you what do you want? What do you think is likely? Looking at it from I guess the Pelican side of things to provide I guess a bit more balanced view. Yeah, I was honestly generally curious. 
to see kind of what Pelican fans had to say. And they all lean towards it being more likely they'd keep Drew because Stan Van Gundy wants to have that big defensive identity. And being an established coach, you think they're leaning more towards winning because it's not like they're going to go into a rebuild. They didn't hire a Kenny Atkinson or one of these young coaches. They hired, you know, Stan Van Gundy, a guy who's been to the playoffs, been to the finals, and he's going to try to make them play defense and be more competent. I feel like he would like to have a veteran. Then I also am just like, I don't want to say scared to trade with David Griffin, but I feel like he's trying to hold more leverage than he actually has. Because Drew Holiday, again, is on an expiring deal, and you're going to have to pay him money after this deal. So it's just like, how much money are you willing to give, or how many assets are you willing to give up? How much are you willing to trade in first-round picks to get a guy? And then uh, somebody commented on one of your tweets, Jack, and they brought up Drew Holiday's open three-point percentage. And it wasn't good. And it wasn't good. It was kind of similar to Karis LeVert. Obviously, Drew Holiday is a lot better in terms of defense, but offensively, there's probably an argument maybe Karras is at the same level or maybe a tad better or could be next season. I think he's a better shot creator. I'm not, I think Drew uh, is a better floor general. I just think he has a bit more experience and a bit more yes. mouse in that sort of sense. And he's just, been more of a lead guard. You know what I mean? Yes. Karras wasn't really a lead guard until he came into the NBA, which is kind of unique. And then it's almost similar to Donovan Mitchell, who wasn't necessarily a lead guard, didn't have a ton of basketball experience. Then when he got into the NBA, they exposed him to these different roles and it was something he kind of excel at. So it's just so much intrigue. And Karis LeVert's the topic we've talked about a lot, (laughs) you know, given myself, given you and just all the trade rumors and all the injuries. And it's just like there's so much intrigue because you really don't know who he's going to be and what level he can hit. Because every time you kind of think he's capped out, he does something where you're like, oh, shit, like maybe Karis can be a lot better. Like the 51 point game against Boston. I'm not going to lie. I love Karis more than probably almost anybody on Nets Twitter. I didn't think that was a possibility. I thought he was a really good player, but scoring 50 in a game against a good defense and not necessarily having the best supporting cast is something special. And then what we saw in the bubble and the passing and just kind of adapting to different roles, they're just it just kind of excites you and it makes you, I want to say, a little nervous if you're a Nets fan or Nets management to trade a guy who's been so good for your culture and has the possibility to keep ascending and also be a little bit of a carryover when you know Kyrie and KD kind of age and they he can kind of take on a bigger load because he's the young gun he's not super young he's i want to say what was he 25 26 right now 26 yeah 26 so entering his prime but still a good period when you have katie at 31 Kyrie at 28 29 you know you have this younger guy who can eat some of those minutes if he can stay healthy yeah i i I agree with what you're saying there nick but i also do think that you have to be ruthless in the pursuit of a championship and we've sort of seen some pretty ruthless moves. And the one that sort of comes springs to mind is the Isaiah Thomas sort yeah. of departure from Boston and Danny Age not necessarily showing him the not respect because there's clear there's a clear amount of respect, but it didn't it didn't work for their team. They yeah. they shipped him off for Kyrie Irving. In but that's the, end. the trade that makes a lot of sense. You know what I mean? If it makes sense, you got to make the move. Exactly. And one thing, and I was discussing, you know, a little bit in the mentions as well. One thing that you sort of allude to a little bit is Drew Holiday's age and the Drew Holiday extension that would have to be offered to him. You know, whatever, whether it's for, I don't know if it's a Kawhi Leonard rental deal. And if you're doing that, you want him preseason, you want him gelling with the team right now or not right now, whenever it is, whenever free agency. Whenever the trade starts, you want to the the guys. Exactly, exactly. So if you were to do it at the deadline, you know, it's less time to sort of uh, acquiesce each other with the, the teammates and you're more likely to be like, okay, there's a, a premise of an offer for a deal for you here and 
what does he want out of that? It, it's, it would be his last deal that he can get. So he's going to try and maximize the amount of payment that he can get. And absolutely as he should. You know, is that three years, $90 million? Is that four years, $100 million? Not 100% sure, but he, based off what he has done, he deserves that. But how is he going to age? Because he's also had a lot of injury issues too. Yeah. You know, it's, it's things that we haven't necessarily discussed about Drew Holiday. So we wanted to try and bring a new slant to it. But there are negatives to trading for Drew Holiday. And it seems like my mind changes quite consistently. And I'm by the next podcast, it could be, man, Drew Holiday just took some sensu beans and was in the hyperbaric <laughs> chamber. And now he's 110%. Uh, I, I don't know. But in, in saying that, I am. there are plenty of negatives to both scenarios. Yeah. It's not a, a, a clean move one way or another. It's messy. Whether you're getting rid of Karras and you sort of the fan base is, is livid like you. And I mean, I would be goddamn upset as well because a, a lot of people have sort of said, and they made the comparison point with the Clippers, it's like, uh, and the Lakers, you know, when a team is sort of on the come up, the who was there from the start makes it feel like more of a journey and makes the fans buy in more. Karras was there from the start. Jared Allen's been there from the start. Spencer's been there from the start. Joe Harris has been there from the start. If those guys aren't on the team anymore, but and all of those guys have been rumored in trades or signing trades yeah. or leaving the team, it's going to feel different, despite yeah. the fact that we love Kyrie, we love KD. Those are guys that we've podcasted about for three years. We have an emotional We've seen invest- them grow up. Exactly. Like the, from Karis Avert being a young 22-year-old smashing Chipotle to a young 26-year-old uh, having to not eat Chipotle because of food poisoning. Jared Allen's fro growing from day to day. Joe Harris's shaggy hair and shaggy beard and headband appearing and reappearing. You know, it's it's different. It's not like it's better or worse. It's just different. So that's just something to, to consider as just like we are a fan podcast. You know, yeah. we're fans of the team and, and that's where it sort of comes from and where it stems from. Is it going to be as satisfying if we win this championship next year? Not to say that we will. In fact, you know, to not get on a tangent, it generally does take a year to sort of, to for those superstar teams to gel. Clippers, Golden State, you know, a lot of Cleveland, LeBron teams. It generally takes a year and that's what somewhat worries me in terms of like... The Lakers know, though could, got there pretty much in one year because a lot of their team was turnover. Exactly. That's what yeah. the Nets have to hope for. Yeah. They, they have to hope for that um, that level of chemistry to sort of take them into the season. And, and Kevin Durant and Kyrie and, and the collaboration uh, yeah. hopefully take them going forward. But That's why but, you could also make an argument to lean towards keeping players instead of making a big trade because you want to keep the cohesion and the relationships and everybody happy. Where like if you trade somebody's you know favorite teammate, it might upset them or just kind of throw off the vibe a little bit. It's a really intriguing scenario. And that's why, like, I think it, the Nets have to be smart with this move and not, you know, go into the offseason being like, we need to add the third star. If Bradley Beal's there or one of these, you know, top 20, top 15 players, you pull the trigger on that because there's juggernaut dynasty type talk. But if it's Drew Holiday, I'm not sure if you make the move for him, the Nets are like the favorite to win the champ, the chip next year. Like he definitely helps and boosts them up, but I don't think it would instantly be like, all right, the Nets are the best team in the NBA type of thing. If they had Bradley Beal that's a different conversation because offensively, I'm not sure how you stop that squad. Yeah, it's it's fascinating. It, it really is. But another guy that we've sort of talked about and you've brought up on Twitter quite a few times is JJ Redick and his ties with a possible Brooklyn move. 
Now the Stan Van, Gun- Stan Van Gundy hiring. Brian Windhorse uh, was saying on his podcast, I'll be surprised if they trade JJ Redick. Redick was one of the drawing cards for Van Gundy there. He coached him in Orlando. Early in the process, I was told Griff came to JJ to sort of get a scouting report on Stan Van Gundy. And it was JJ's strong recommendation that helped continue to pursue him. I think JJ is going to be end up being Stan's right-hand man on the roster. He is going to be uh, 36 at the end of his contract. Seems to me that you know, pairing two of the best sharpshooters in the league is very unlikely, Nick. Yeah, it is highly unlikely, especially because, like I said, with Stan Van Gundy, he wants to have veterans. He wants to play good basketball. He wants to make the playoffs. He doesn't want to see some of the incompetence we saw from the Pelicans' defense in the bubble. Like, their defense at times was terrible. It was, like, college-level defense. So, obviously, having vets out there is going to make things a little bit better. And if J.J. is tied to him, it's going to be hard to move him unless the Pelicans suck. Like, I don't think they're going to suck, but if they do suck, then the veterans all of a sudden get moved and they get moved at a lesser price, especially yep. somebody who's 36. That Yeah, that's the the only likelihood that there's a buyout. I think I brought that up before. Yep. Or if, you know, JJ wants to, he said that, you know, he craves a championship. How likely is that in New Orleans? I don't think it's I feel like he'll chip chase after his this contract. Yeah, he's got he's got basically all the money that he can get. He'll he'll probably take some vet minimum deals going forward, a la Kyle Korver, yep. how he's with the Bucks now, whether he... You know, where, where he hops around to, oh, I'm not 100% sure. It could, could be, be Brooklyn next, yeah. in 2022, 2023. Who knows going forward? But it seems very unlikely at this point in time. But yeah, never rule anything out in the future. Even though sports had a break, your business didn't. You have to keep moving. That makes hiring more important than ever. Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility of your hiring. You only pay for what you need and can pause your account at any time. And there's no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you with the important hire you need, just like they have for over 3 million businesses. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job posts, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through September 30th. The wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at BetOnline. BetOnline is going the extra mile to make sure you can get on every possible chance to win the season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, divisions, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to BetOnline today, take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at BetOnline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word, BetOnline, your online sportsbooks experts. But unfortunately, I guess coaching news for all Nets is that Andy basically confirmed that he's going to be back in LA, sticking around with and looking forward to being on the bench again with Frank Vogel. Disappointing? Yeah, I mean, it's a little disappointing, but we kind of had a feeling this would be the case if the Lakers won a chip. Like, how are you leaving a championship team and you're working with LeBron James and Anthony Davis? It's not like he was coaching on, I don't know, just some bad team like 
the Sacramento Kings and wanted to leave. You know what I mean? It's like you're with the Lakers. You're in contention for a championship again next year. You love what you're doing. You're living in L.A. He's from L.A. So, like, it just was always going to be a hard sell for the Nets. Yeah, the money would have been the sell. And, you know, Joe Sy has you know, seemingly em- endless money in his in his large pockets. But, you know, money isn't everything at the end of the day as well. You yeah. Know, Phil Handy is one of the most coveted assistants uh, in the league. And sometimes you're in a good living situation. You know, you're in LA, you're winning chips, you're with LeBron James. Doesn't really get much better than that. It's just about, you know, clearly... And the Lakers are probably paying him well. <laughs> like, oh, no doubt, no doubt, no doubt. Um, absolutely. But uh, I guess in relation to Mike D'Antoni, who we also brought up on the last episode... To you, Nick, now that basically, and we brought this up, um, and we can bring it up again because it, it is a, a, a point that is still relevant. All the coaching jobs are essentially set. Mike yeah. D'Antoni is not a head, is not going to be a head coach for the 2021 season unless OKC some, in some really weird move offer yeah. him a contract. What does... What it's a backup in Houston. Oh, I man, I don't... I don't think that's going to happen either. It's, it's very unlikely. But... Does in in saying that does no news mean good news for the Brooklyn Nets in regards to Mike D'Antoni? One hundred percent. I think he's a, a lot more likely to be an assistant coach now, just because there's no openings. He's not going to be a head coach. Steve Nash and him have a great relationship, but I'm sure he has other great relationships in the league too with other head coaches. So it's going to come down to the matter of you know where do I want to be an assistant coach? Where do I think I'll carry the most value? Where do I want to be? You know, it does help the Nets play in a big market. They play in New York City. I believe D'Antoni enjoyed his time in New York City, given, you know, all the different, you know, pleasures you can have in New York. So it helps them. Steve Nash helps them. Getting to coach with Kyrie and KD, a guy that he has a relationship from the past. Like, hey, I wouldn't rule it out, and I feel more confident about it than I did a month ago. Yeah, I I feel more confident even about a week ago. Yeah, true. And part of it is That's a pacer job. Yeah, it was it was basically the Pacers and the Pelicans job. Yep. Those are the only ones where he would have had somewhat links to. And he obviously, it seemed to me he had that Philly job in the bag and then Doc Rivers got fired. It's like, well, let's get Doc. And, you know, you can't... Those are two of the, the best coaches of the past yeah. decade or so, so you can't really go wrong either way there. So it seems to me that... You know, you, you mentioned all the ties and links there. Obviously, Team USA links with, with KD and Kyrie. You know, the clear and strong relationship. You know, we said upon Steve Nash's hiring, I mentioned the quote from Mike D'Antoni saying, you know, he was basically coaching the team anyway. He yeah. said that about a guy who transformed his career as a coach. And, you know, the clear, the, the offense, uh, I, I would be fascinated to see yeah. what sort of offensive systems would be in place um with katie Kyrie, the talent on paper as well as the the basketball minds Talk and about IQ. collaboration oh man it and it, it, look it's it, you you mentioned you know when we chatted about it, i guess with phil handy you know it's money it's living situation it's opportunities you know going forward uh, and i've i've said before you know i've, I've wanted mike d'antoni as a head coach i thought he yeah. would have been a good a good enough head coach not the best head coach you know steve nash is certainly uh, not chumps change but i uh, it seems to me that it's the most likely destination for him to end up as an assistant coach. I, I can't. You mentioned that there are uh, there are definitely ties else, uh, elsewhere. He's been a lifelong coach, but I honestly can't think of anywhere else where he would he would end up unless you know James Dolan is willing to offer him twenty million dollars or something. I have no and idea. I don't even think that entices him. I think it's more enticing to work with players like Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. You know what I mean? And maybe be, having your fingerprints on possibly the best offense in the NBA next season. Like, that'd be more intriguing than, you know, I'm not even trying to be disrespectful to the Knicks. 
they're in a rebuild. They don't have a lot of good offensive players. They don't have a lot of good players. So it would be an uphill battle where coming to the Brooklyn just makes a lot more sense. It, I think he would definitely be an assistant on a really good team. Like, I don't see him going to a bad team and being assistant. And that helps the Nets because they're one of the best teams in the leagues pro- probably next season, at least in my opinion. Yeah, maybe not according to the power rankings going around <laughs> everywhere, but uh, well, ah, that's not. Yeah. Uh, I guess quickly, Nick, it's not on my dock, but do you think? And it's been a topic brought up by the Jump and all other ESPN platforms, the Athletic or whatever. The Nets were basically nine or ninth or tenth in in a tenth, lot of those yep. rankings, um, depending on where the the rankings were. Too low, too high. What do you think? I think 10's a little too low. Like, I'm not even just being a Nets fan here. I just think you go into a season with Kai Irving, Kevin Durant, Karis LeVert, Spencer Dinwiddie, you know, Jared Allen, Joe Harris, like, assuming that he's going to be retained. And, like, the one thing that I don't understand, and I'm not trying to hate on the team, but, like, why is Golden State getting so much respect for being a good team when they were the worst team in the league last year? Yeah, I know Steph and Clay missed the entire season. Clay's coming off a torn ACL. Steph broke his hand. They're a year older. Draymond looked pretty bad last season, and they essentially have no other good players in that team other than maybe Kevon Looney. And if Kevon Looney's your fourth best player, like I think Kevon, I'd rather have Kevon Looney than Andrew Wiggins. That's just my opinion. Oh, <laughs> like, but you know what I mean? Like, why are we giving Golden State so much respect, but we don't want to give the Nets respect when they probably have a better overall roster? Yeah, you can make an argument. Steph is. You can make an argument. Steph's the best player out of everybody I just mentioned because he's you know the healthiest probably. Season, but you still have to question Clay, and you still have to question Draymond, who, in my opinion, just looked looked really bad. He even looked bad in 2018 and 2017 with his offense. So, like, they're not magically going to solve everything because even in the last time we saw them in the finals, fully healthy without KD, they looked rough, and the roster really didn't change much. Obviously, they can make a trade, but they haven't made that trade yet. So, how are you going to rank them above the Nets? Even I think they were ranked above Boston too, and I felt like Boston proved plenty this year where. I feel like the Nets are probably better than Boston, but I understand why them being higher. And then obviously Miami went to the finals, but I still feel like the Nets are probably a better team on paper. But I understand why they're not getting the respect because they haven't been on the court yet. Yeah, the Golden State, to be somewhat objective about it, have championship pedigree. They've done it. They've proven so it on the... Katie and Kyrie. But I think the questions surrounding their injury status, your, your two main superstars have incredible... Have, are overcoming... Kevin Durant's overcoming the... The worst injury you can as a basketball yeah. player. Kyrie Irving has said it before that, like, you know, and whether it was in jest, whether it was in passing or or whatever, but like the shoulder thing is going to be a thing for his career. Now I mean, you could I, say the same thing about Steph's ankles, though. Oh, you definitely could. No, no, no doubt about that. I, I, I just think that Steph has proven to be a bit more a, a, a bit healthier than Kyrie has. Um and, and again, I think that both of you know, I think Golden State were like top five or whatever. I think the Nets can be the, the best team in the NBA. I'm not saying that at all. But I do, uh, out of the questions surrounding them, I think that's why you downgrade them. I think yeah. that I would have them anywhere from six to nine in that range, five to nine. I honestly, you know, like you mentioned, the roster on paper is probably no better roster in the NBA right now other than, you know, the Clippers if they're actually going to be good. Yeah, um, and and there's an argument the Nets roster is, like, if you compare top... It all depends on KD and Kyrie, though. You top know seven, I mean? eight players, yeah. Yeah, like, if you compare all those guys, like, there's a lot of talent on the Nets. I think, at worst, I'd probably, like you said, Jack, I'd put them at seven or eight. I, don't, I think 10 is just a little too low. Like, you're telling me a team, like, as good as Kevin Durant is and the Achilles sucks and all that shit, but, like, this is a guy who is 
like godly skilled offensively because of the measurements he has. It's not like we're talking about explosion. It's been brought up by me. It's been brought up by a million NBA players that like, you know, you can't even contest his shot. Yeah, I, I put out a, a video of Kevin Durant, just a hype video that I, I sourced from YouTube. So check that out at the JMJ ABT. And it was guys like Kobe Bryant saying how like he is, I, I retired and I still couldn't figure out how to defend him. Like yeah. I, I could, any guy in the NBA, I'm like, yep, got you, yep, got you, yep, got you. But then he was sort of saying how, like, you know, in certain off-seasons, he, he worked on his skill set, and now he has both sides of his body. He can attack with both sides, yep. both hands. And it's just like, if we now, obviously, we don't know what he's going to be going going forward. But, uh, again, something to, to consider. Well, the, the Nets being disrespected is, uh, it's nothing new. Let's put it that way. Cause, um, it's actually a good thing in my eyes. Yeah, in a lot of ways. In a lot of ways, you you would rather sort of have the rather than be the media darlings like the the Boston Celtics or whatever other teams where it's just like, man, Jason Tatum's going to be awesome and Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart, these guys are the best. I think that you want to have a, a bit of fuel to sort of go. It almost can Steve. help create team unity. Yeah, it definitely can. You know, you want to rally around that and. You know, the, the Clippers, the Lakers, I'm sure that there's, you know, the Lakers did it even though they fabricated it in a lot of ways. <laughs> like, um, apparently they're not respected. You know, yeah, I, I, like they tried to say they're like underdogs going against like the Nuggets and the Heat. And it's just like, please stop. And LeBron, no one called you washed except Twitter trolls. Stop. Yeah, even though Corey did think otherwise. Uh, thank God it's <laughs> podcast. Um, <laughs> we'll move forward, Nick, because there's plenty of other news to, for some reason to actually get to. And this was a rumor that we brought up uh, maybe a month or two ago about uh, Wilson Chandler uh, heading back to China to play for the CBA. And he has agreed to a deal with the Zhejiang uh, Guangsha Lions. I hope I said that right. Um, Sound uh yeah again let's not get Corey on this podcast to say that uh but are you surprised at this nick you know because wilson chandler was a serviceable player for the brooklyn nets uh, in the latter points of the season before he unfortunately uh you know he, he didn't get coronavirus did he no he opted out yeah so before he opted out of the bubble yeah i'm a tad surprised but i think he's gonna get a better paycheck in china than he would in the nba and like we've kind of referenced too it's there's a a high likelihood that he'll get be done with his, his China season and be able to sign with an NBA team around that buyout market time. So he's kind of getting double paycheck and he'll still have an opportunity for a chip and it could even be back with the net. So not super surprising because he's a guy that's already played in China, I believe, like in the past and he's he's cashed. So, and it's not like he's going to get a big contract. It was going to be a vet minimum for him in the off season. Yeah, and the money he would get in in China as you know an A one guy would be certainly more. I'm not 100 percent sure, but vet it minimum would at least be over three million at minimum. Yeah, and vet minimum is like two million or so. So maximizing the money you get while you your body still can, um, I'm all for. You know, if I was an NBA player, I would milk it for as long as I could and go to different countries to sort of just get that money until my body could do no more. So uh, shout out to us, Charlie. He's always going to be a great Brooklyn net, and we could see him, like you said, going forward. Um, but I enjoyed Nick, him on the Nets. Like, I really did. And he didn't play a ton, but I really, I don't know. I've always kind of liked Wilson Chandler, even from his time with the Knicks to the Denver Nuggets. To It kind of sucked what happened with Philadelphia. He just really didn't work out. His body kind of gave up to him, and that's kind of hurt his career. So, Yeah, I, 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 I thought that he had some really good defensive moments. He had, he had some timely threes for the team. You know, he, he was started. big in that Laker game that the Nets won over them. Yeah, LeBron stopper. <laughs> maybe, if, uh, maybe if the Miami Heat had Wilson Chandler, they might have won the championship. Who knows? Maybe. <laughs> um, 
Nick, uh, a good point was brought up uh, by our friend, John Hollinger of The Athletic. <laughs> we'll get to some more news from, from Mr. Johnny Boy uh, later on in the pod. But he brought up the fact that TLC's rise could jeopardize Garrett Temple's future with the Brooklyn Nets. Now, you've probably sort of read into this and such, but for those that haven't, Garrett Temple obviously has a team option next season for around four and a half, five million dollars million. Now, the Nets are obviously going to be uh, into the tax. That is known. You know, they wanted to retain Joe Harris. Um, I think every single person uh, who is a Nets fan has tweeted about it every hour of the day, and I love it. I retweet all of them, if not most of them. In saying that, Retaining Joe Harris, retaining Garrett Temple is going to make you pay even more into the luxury tax. It's a lot of money. Not saying that Josai won't, and not saying that Josai can't, but you know, I, it's something that was brought up in the fact that TLC might be a more valuable player right now in terms of what he showed in the bubble. Really good three-point shooting, solid enough defense, but what TLC doesn't have, and I guess you'll probably agree with me with this, Nick, Garrett Temple's a leader. And a great yeah. teammate. And I think that that is the value he provides. And, and basketball IQ is substantially higher than TLC. No disrespect, but Temple's a very smart basketball player. You you need things beyond the on-court product yep. to, win a, to win a championship, to win the Larry OB. And Jared Temple is a guy that you know is Jared Dudley. He's just a, a piece that you need for whatever minutes, whatever role on and off the court to get there. And I, I guess... You this up in terms of trading the first round pick to sort of whether it's for a future first round uh, in a year or two in the future where you have to deal with it whether it's packaging toy and prints or whatever to save some money uh, a lot of people have given different sort of scenarios in relation to that how important do you think Garrett Temple is and I guess what would you do if you're Sean Marks' shoes yeah I think this is a situation where Sean Marks has a better vibe for it than we do because he'd have an idea of, hey, maybe there's another free agent I can sign at a vet minimum, a la Jared Dudley or somebody, to come in and be that locker room guy and be that leader that we need. Because Temple's role is important, like you said, Jack, and it's not necessarily on the court, it's off the court. We know he's a guy that Kyrie Irving wanted here. He's a guy that a lot of the young players have talked about helping them in terms of on and off the court. So he's a, a person that you know everyone respects necessarily on the Nets team and probably the organization. It's a really tough Tough situation for them. I mean, ideally, you'd love to decline his team option and sign him to a vet minimum deal. But as like uh, a, as Garrett Temple or just anybody, you'd kind of be like, yo, kind of like a fu, like, bro, you just took away my money and now you want to bring me back. Like that's mad disrespectful. So it's a tough situation for the Nets. I think TLC and him in terms of on the court are pretty similar, but I think even like Garrett Temple just with his IQ kind of helps the Nets maybe a little bit more in terms of like a championship situation. But I wouldn't be completely surprised if they turned down his team option just to save some money because they're going to be paying a lot in the luxury tax with re-signing Joe Harris, in which we think is a lock right now. It should be, um, no doubt about that. In, in saying that... You know, it's going to be interesting to see what Joe Sy is willing to do because Sean Marks, no doubt, and the team is going to want Garrett Temple next season. Spend that money. and But his full $5 million contract on the books will cost 7 8 10 15 depending on how deep the Nets do get into the tax. And, you know, I think it's likely that the 19th pick is shipped off. I think that Toy and Prince's future is murky. And you get off those two assets right there for either cheaper assets or whatever else it might be, and prioritizing Garrett Temple as a, a locker room piece, a leader. You know, uh, uh, he had a good season as well. He didn't have an amazing season, but he was valuable and contributed to this Brooklyn Nets team. 
And he'll you know, be he a was, lot better as a ninth or tenth man. Yeah, no doubt. He was good in the bubble as well. You know, if you're looking at guys coming off the bench, you know, going forward and guys that are in the locker room that are in Kyrie Irving and, and Kevin Durant's ear, you know, Jared Dudley would hold guys accountable in, in film rooms and stuff. You know, that seems to me like a guy, and, you know, you mentioned Jared Dudley. I, I just think Jared Temple still has something left in the tank to produce on the court yeah. and to provide leadership on the court, which I think is way more valuable, infinitely more valuable. Yeah, I mean, the Jamal Crawford aspect is something to think about too. If they think that's a guy that could maybe fill the leadership role. You know what I mean? He's not, he can't produce on the court the same way Temple can, but the Nets might not need that if they have, you know, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and DeAndre all leading in the right way. Not saying that's the perfect leadership group or anything like that, but they, you, you have to make compromises somewhere. And if you're Sean Marks and you're talking to Joe Sy and you're like, hey, we need to give Joe Harris an extra million dollars so we can, you know, outbid the Atlanta Hawks or the New York Knicks. And that means we have to let go of Garrett Temple. You do it every day of the week. I think the most fascinating thing about that, Nick, with the Joe Harris deal is Sean Marks has weaponized restricted free agency for himself and the team before. Our other team's going to throw it in his face. You yeah, know? he's not a restricted free agent, though, so it, 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 they can still throw it back in his face, though. Yeah, in terms of like, you know, and, and oh, sorry, yeah, I'm a restricted free agent, do hold his bird rights, all those different things. But yeah, it's going to be interesting to sort of see what other GMs, and I, I think that at least on the optics wise, it seems like Sean Marks has a good relationship with a, a lot of different GMs, and the teams that are going to be willing to throw money at, at Joe Harris will probably be, you know, Atlanta, Detroit, and probably plenty of other teams. Mid-level exception, apparently, from the Milwaukee Bucks. <laughs> God. The teams Pre- that he doesn't have a good relationship would be the Miami Heat, the Portland yep. Trailblazers, and the Washington, Washington. Wizards. Yeah, Miami would be the only team out of those three that I believe has cap space going into the offseason. I'm not necessarily sure they'll be targeting Joe Harris because of Duncan Robinson and Tyler Hero. I wouldn't rule it completely out, but it seems kind of unlikely given that they're trying to save that money for 2021. Yeah, they can keep that Jimmy Neutron Sheen looking <laughs> big bag. We'll keep that Joe Harris with his sexy, gorgeous locks. Um in, in, I, yeah, I guess it, it's going to be fascinating. Sean Marks is going to have a... He's going to be putting in work, and he's probably already putting in work in the text. He's probably keeping up with Joe's side in terms of this, like, scenario. Hey, we heard about plan A, B, C, and D in <laughs> last year's offseason. Yeah. Man, he's going to have to need E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L, M, N, O, P, Q, R, I, C, E, V, W, X, Y, and Z for this offseason. He might need another language. <laughs> oh, man, he's going to have to go into Mandarin. I think Joe yeah. Sy speaks Mandarin. Um, it, it's going to be... Uh, probably the most intriguing offseason um, we've ever seen as Brooklyn Nets fans. And, and and when you are in championship status and when you have to do some finagling, you know, Sean Marks is incredibly smart as well in terms of the ability to land Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant in the first place required finagling around and going, all Considering right. Considering well, the situation he started with too. Exactly. So if anyone can do it, it's the wizard Sean. But Nick, we we alluded to the athletic a little bit. They had some rankings of uh, some Nets players in their top 125. Jared Allen was in tier five, around that 80 to 125. Joe Harris was in tier four B with uh, guys like JJ Redick. Uh, also in four B was Karis Avert and Spencer Dinwiddie, offensive lead guards. Uh, also in tier three B, uh, which is uh, st- all star status, is Kyrie Irving around that twenty five to thirty range, and tier four is just below or fringe all star, and tier five is solid starter level. Uh, disrespect, Nick. What are your thoughts on this? Like, I guess objectively speaking, uh, just or just subjectively, because ranking is subjective. Yeah, subjectively yeah, yeah. speaking, 
subjectively speaking, flow. Uh, rank a guy like Jared Allen, Joe Harris, Kosovert, Spencer Dimity, Kyrie Irving off the top of your head because uh, I need some help. The top 50 is going to be hard for OTG basketball. Yeah, yeah, I'll definitely be helping you guys with that. But uh, I was actually kind of maybe a little surprised Jared Allen was in tier five kind of, but then I guess because it's such a wide range of 80 to 125. Like if he's the 80th best player in that tier, that kind of makes sense. And Joe Harris, Karis Levert, and Spencer Dinwiddie all between 60 and 79. I'd hear an argument for Spencer and Karras being boosted. I think Joe's probably in the right range. You can make an argument to boost them up a little bit, but it's like they're all around that same level, and I feel like people don't really know what to say about them until next season where they see them in more realistic playoff situations where they're actually in an advantage around the even playing field because obviously against the Raptors, can't take a ton from Joe and Karras because, you know, they were so outmatched in terms of talent. But uh, I would think that Karras, and I see the little blurb here, I wasn't able, obviously I don't have a subscription to The Athletic, so I wasn't able to read it all, but he mentions the metrics not backing up Karras, and I think this is a case a lot because of the the peaks and the lows we see with Karras because of the injuries. So, like, peak level Karras, I think, is easily a top 50 player, but he's not necessarily at peak all the time because all right, he's had an injury, and then he's coming back, and then he's a month, and then he's off the bench, and his minutes are all over the place. And I'd say the same thing with Spencer because his role fluctuates so much. At times during the year, he definitely felt like a top 50 player. He made your guys' list last year, didn't he? Or was he right on the cut? He did. He yeah, did. so I feel like you know those guys could probably get a slight bump, but I'm not going to be too upset if he has them at like 62, 63, and we think that they're you know 42 and 43. Like you said, it's so subjective. I will say the Kyrie Irving one, though, I felt like was – more disrespectful 25 to 30 like he's a better player than that i know he wasn't healthy and he only played 20 games but in those 20 games he was one of the best offensive players in the nba he put up two freaking 50 point games in, in 20 games like that's literally extremely impressive and in one of them being the most one of the most efficient 50 point games in nba history i think he at least has to be in tier what is it, tier 3a maybe what would that be yeah. 20 20 to 15 or something like that i think he has to at least be in like the 15 to 20 range, like 25 to 30 for Kyrie Irving just kind of seems a little ludicrous. It, it is. I, I will say Joe Harris should be in tier one. He's in tier <laughs> one in my heart, my head, and in all of my thoughts. Jared Allen, I believe, is also you know starting caliber player, and I think will grow to be maybe a, a tier sort of four player, you know, a, a below, uh, an above average, he's an above average starter for me. And, yeah. and I think that he can be, you know, Spencer, Spencer did what he said that he could be a top five center in the league. He certainly has the talent there. Uh, on Karras and Spencer, I think that they're bona fide top 50 players. Bona fide. Like, there is without a question that they're top 50 players. And for me, that is a range. You know, 60 to 79 feels a little bit disrespectful based off but what... But the tier seems so weird. That's what throws me off is tier four is just below or fringe all-stars. Like, how do you have... And I like Seth part now. 60 to 79 is fringe all-stars when there's only what, Jack? There's 30 all-stars? 20, yeah, 20, well, 25, I think. Something like okay, that. Yeah. So... Um, yeah, it, I, I guess it's a, a wider range because I, I agree. They are fringe all-stars. And for me... You know, Karis Avert has the talent. Like he said, you know, health is, is a big thing for him. Spencer Dinwiddie, you know, I think Charles Barkley had him as an all-star last yeah. year. Yeah, I think you know? Charles had him as an all-star two years. Yeah. He, and, the, the year uh, D'Lo made it, he had Spencer. Then Spencer probably would have been an all-star if he didn't break his hand that year. That's no disrespect to D'Angelo Russell. I think Dinwiddie was, you know, better at points, but D'Lo was just healthier the entire season. Yeah, not to say that uh, Charles Barkley is a guy we're going to be you know, using. <laughs> Point going forward, but yeah, I, I would say ceiling Karis Avert 
mid to late 20s. Uh, I think his ceiling is a, a little bit lower for, for Spencer Dinwiddie, probably late 30s, if not early 40s. Uh, and ceiling for Kyrie Irving is, I, I think, in one of the first iterations of the top 50, top 10, I think I had him. I think I might have had him 8th or ninth. I can't totally remember uh, off the top of my head. I, I get why there is shade thrown at him, and we'll get to a little bit more of it soon. But if you're looking, like you just said, Nick, the, purely on when he is out there, it's rare that he is not efficient or he is not producing. And it's rare uh, that he's not one of the best players on the court, if not the best. You know what I mean? A lot of the time when he plays. The 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 one game that sticks out to me is the Philadelphia game. And that was the one where he came out and spoke about these guys, we need these guys or whatever. And that to me is the one thing that I'd like, probably the one blemish on yeah. this season. Everything else he's done off the court more than makes up for it. So for me, and obviously Kevin Durant is probably going to be in the next tier or tier above. He's a Hall of Fame player. He he can be the best player in the league. You know, he was the best player in the league before he was injured. Simple as that. Like we don't have to no no shade at LeBron. We're both massive LeBron James fans here. You know, I picked the Lakers to win the championship because of same LeBron here. James. Yep. Same but here. Kevin Durant was the best player uh, in 2018. Yeah. And he was still the Achilles injury did um, and the calf injuries sort of started to, to hinder him a little bit. So that's the ceiling for Kevin Durant. Will he get back there? I don't know. But I think his floor at worst is 15. Um, and it's it's inter- it's going to be fascinating like, when me, you and Corey get together. It's just like, how are we going to rank these guys? And maybe we do, maybe we don't, maybe we'll leave them off the list. Um, but yeah, I, I think I get the, I think the tiers are okay. I just think that the number of the rankings is a bit like, yeah, like you said, a bit askew. Yeah, it just it, like it doesn't add up, especially for like someone who's so statistically based. <laughs> you know what I mean? And having such a wide range, and like looking at tier two and tier three. Tier three is all star, and that's where they put Kyrie Irving. And tier two is all NBA or Hall of Fame candidate. If I'm not mistaken, like every year Kyrie's been healthy. Like since he's been an established player, he's been all NBA. Like if he's yeah. healthy, like he would have made all NBA this year. The fact is, he wasn't healthy. And, like, that game against Philadelphia, which you brought up, was, like, when he was dealing with a shoulder injury. That, like, first stretch before the shoulder injury, like, he was ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, All-NBA second team in 2019. All-NBA third team in 2015. So, two-time All-NBA player uh, for you there, Nick. And, you know, All-NBA second team, you know, I think his season in Boston was a little bit underrated. He's obviously, he flamed out a little bit in the playoffs. But his regular season there was awesome. He was, yeah. he was super, super, super. So if we can get a version of that and a better version of him in the playoffs, then the Nets are going to be doing some some nasty things come the postseason. Nick, some shade was thrown at our guy, Kyrie Irving, uh, the third eye god himself. I'll give you two quotes here from um, The Athletic. One from an agent. This is the one that stuck out to me, so I screenshotted it, aggregated it. Sorry to all the <laughs> net aggregators out there. And I put it out there. Uh, and this was in response to the Nets being a, a championship sort of contention. No, no, hell no. You're banking on the highest level of volatility. It's an impossibility. Kevin Durant is probably the best player in the NBA. But Kyrie Irving is a total loose cannon. And he's not doing anything to show us anything but that right now. That's going to be difficult. I hate to comment on people I don't really know. But Kyrie is entering his Stefan Marbury phase. You can see it. It's there. Basketball is not a priority for him. Okay. Before you go, Nick. I hate to comment on people I don't really know. I know, I think. Look, no offense, and then you offend the person. Like, to I the highest to comment- extent, too. It's not even like a little shade. It's like, oh, yeah, I don't think he cares about basketball, but he's one of the best point guards in the NBA. He just is randomly that skilled. It's, it's weird, I, man. 
I just I didn't like that. I didn't like the Stefan Marbury comparison because they're nothing alike. Like they're just not. And you want to push in their games aren't alike. Stefan Marbury was never to the le- level of player that Kyrie Irving is. Yeah, he was a great point guard in the NBA. He put up stats, but he never won anything close to the level in which Kyrie has won. And he's proven that winning a championship, not only with the Cavs, but also with Team USA. You know what I mean? He was a big part of that team as well. Got this relationship with Kevin Durant there. So it's just like saying these things just doesn't make sense. And like you you ignore the fact the rest of the Nets roster too, I think is kind of annoying where you're like, oh, well, if, if Kyrie Irving's not the best possible player, like I, I'm not even 100% sure. It also depends on like how the rest of the roster break down and how good Kevin Durant is. But if Kyrie Irving were to miss 30 games next year and be okay for the playoffs. I don't think that would really matter for the Nets. Long as he's healthy for the postseason, even if he played 40 games next year, I think it'd be fine. Long as he's healthy for the postseason, because they have enough talent on the roster to win enough games to probably be a top four seed, maybe a five seed at worst. Yeah, uh, it's going to be about the timing of those injuries. Uh, that's, and that's going to matter most. And Katie's 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 good. Then, like, I'm not even like saying Kyrie doesn't matter, but he doesn't matter to the to the same extent. You know what I mean? If he's anything close to what we saw last time he took the court putting Spencer Dewey and Karis Avert next to Kevin Durant might be good enough to beat teams in a playoff series that's how good Kevin Durant is when healthy yeah. and obviously we have no idea if he's going to be that guy but just the possibility of that is super exciting as Nets fans yeah we saw LeBron James take over the East with freaking J.R. Smith and Tristan Thompson and you know and obviously the East <laughs> is getting stronger with guys like you know Jason Tatum on the rise Jimmy Butler was awesome but, you know, uh, they are not... not an impressive year for the East, though. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. They're not in the stratosphere of Kevin Durant when he is at his best. But, again, that's the key. When he is at his best. If he is at his best. The, the big key is the if, I guess. Uh, another quote, Nick, I'll throw at you. And you can tell me which one is more disrespectful, I guess. This is from uh, our boy Johnny H. John Hollinger. <laughs> the Nets have Kevin Durant recovering from Achilles injury. Kyrie Irving recovering from shoulder injury. And 15 other players recovering from spending a year with Kyrie Irving. Ha 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 ha. What's uh, more disrespectful to you, mate? I think the one, the Stefan Marbury one, because I think John Hollinger is clearly trying to make a joke and be funny, even though the joke's not really that funny. But uh, the the Stefan Marbury and saying that Kyrie doesn't care about basketball and like his volatility is going to be the reason the Nets don't win and he has no hope in them winning a championship, like that's just like shitting on the team and disrespecting them. Where John Hollinger is just trying to take a shot at you know Kyrie being a little, I guess, crazy if that makes sense. I don't think he's crazy, but that's what John Hollinger's trying to say. Yeah, it, like let's just ease up a little bit. Like, <laughs> it, it, uh, like I, I think I said on the last. Honestly, podcast, John Hodger seems like an annoying person that I wouldn't want to spend a whole year with. So I. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, if you want to get back into the NBA game, my guy, now don't shit on dudes who are in the NBA. You know, you're clearly you're an intelligent enough guy. You're creating all these statistics, blah blah blah. Good for you, mate, Memphis didn't go so well i guess at the end of the day so uh, i guess you know it, it, to me it just seemed uh, a little bit immature and childish you know it's something you would hear on a podcast not necessarily and it i, I think it has less gravity in a podcast if anything because you can you're talking shit with your mate or whatever it is he's talking shit with whichever nba nerd is on his podcast whereas it, you you have it in writing it's just there and you can interpret it however you want yeah, you can't. You know the the tone of of us sort of saying and and making jokes about whoever else on this podcast. When you hear it, it's just like ah, oh, clearly Nick's joking there. Oh, Jack's joking there. 
But you see it on paper, it's just like, what the fuck is this guy talking about? Like, and really? He, and he's kind of snarky in general. Like, for example, like, Jack, if you're saying, like, if Zach Harper said this on a podcast, I would just laugh about it because that's, like, Zach Harper's vibe. Where John Hollinger, when he says things like this, he's kind of being more snarky than funny. And that's not, like, why I'm going to listen or read John Hollinger content. I'm not looking for your jokes. I'm looking for your statistical or analysis. Yeah, I mean, no one comes to me for... Uh, things outside of the nets or you know objective analysis uh, about joe harris i'm gonna give them the most subjective analysis that you're ever gonna get that's why people some for some reason people follow me on twitter or <laughs> listen to this podcast because uh i say stupid outlandish things and you know but again I, i'm just not necessarily a fan of shitting on guys uh, and i think maybe not to get all uh, you know existential about it but as we've gotten older nick you know we're both in our i'm, I'm almost turning 30 in a couple of weeks um you're you know married now you're, you're settling down in life a little bit it just seems to me that's just like Let's just, uh, let's throw a bit of love. And maybe I'm learning a bit from Kyrie Irving's live Instagrams and stuff. It's just, you know, it's all love. We don't have to bring people down about this sort of thing. And, you know, get, you know, make the funny jokes when they are relevant. Do it on a podcast with, like you mentioned, Zach Harper or other sort of guys who have banter. You know, banter, there's a difference between like, you know, putting it in uh, banter terms and, and other sort of terms. And to me... Uh, it just little. Uh, it's not. I'm. I'm not going to be kept awake at night. But again, I guess we're putting it on a podcast and speaking about it for for five minutes. So I guess it's the pot calling the kettle black a little bit. It but, definitely rubbed us the wrong way. You know what I mean? I don't think it's like a terrible statement. It's not the end of the world. But it's just like, oh, you're just jumping on the Kyrie hate bandwagon and like trying to question his mental health and like who he is as a person. When John Hollinger, I'm pretty confident you don't know Kyrie Irving personally. So like. Please don't comment on it unless you were in the Nets front office or have dealt with him. So you know what I mean? Yeah. I'm, again, it's just it's just something that I think we just need to lessen on the hate of whether it's Kyrie or KD. Like it just seems irrational and over the top. And now that there's no basketball to be played, it seems like it's gone to another level. It's just like, well, Twitter art is going to come out. The guys on Instagram are going to come out. Um, <laughs> You know, I need to, I need on the next podcast, by, by the next podcast, Kevin Durant to jump in someone's mentions and defend Kyrie, defend himself, defend the Nets. So then we got some content to talk about uh, in relation to that terms because uh, it's more relevant when he's standing up for, for his guy than, you know, a bloke down in Australia. Um, It'd be funny if he did like a whole podcast episode of just responding to tweets like talking bad about him and Kyrie and the Nets. Definitely. Uh, I would subscribe to that uh, a million times over. Nick, we chatted a little bit about Wilson Chandler earlier in the pod, and on Reddit, there were some users talking about Jeff Green as a replacement. I know Nets Twitter in general um, have spoken about him as being a target as a vet minimum guy. Uh, I think there are ties to Kevin Durant or Kyrie Irving. I can't remember who exactly. Uh, he played, I want to say, his his early in his career with OKC. He probably played with KD. Oh, Seattle, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, so yeah, he would have the ties with Kevin Durant there, and obviously with Houston. Uh, who knows what's going on? And he the- may have been on a Cavs team with Kyrie, but I kind of feel like Jeff Green signed after Kyrie left. But I'm yeah. not 100. Yeah, that might be true as well. The the timeline. I, I remember putting out a tweet. He's on been on a lot of teams. <laughs> Eight or nine teams uh, in the end. But what are your thoughts? I guess we'll probably dive into roster construction, vet minimum guys. We could do specials on vet minimum guys. But I guess one guy to bring up to you now. Jeff Green replacing, I guess, Wilson Chandler and a guy who can sort of fill out the roster. What are your thoughts? Yeah, he'd be a nice fit. You know, you can do a lot worse at vet minimum. I think Jeff Green's a guy that's probably chasing chips at this point in his career. 
and he just kind of feel, he has a lot of versatility. You know, you saw in Houston they had him playing center. He can play power forward. Probably not going to play a ton of small forward at this point in his career, but still gives you a good body, gives you somebody you can throw out in the, one of those combo forward lineups. So I don't mind Jeff Green. I've always kind of liked his game. He's just been, you know, had a, somewhat of a disappointing career because there was always so hope for him to be an all-star level player, but he never necessarily put it all together. Yeah, uh, I and he he was decent. He showed some nice moments for the Houston Rockets in the playoffs. He was maybe their X factor, really. Yeah, I think that you know some articles at OGBasketball.com and some um, episodes of the Outlet, you guys were discussing that. And you know he played some small ball five for them. I don't necessarily know whether that's um, viable, you know, for the Nets next season when you've got you know two centers already on the roster. But yeah, I, as a as a vet minimum guy, you know he would be near the top of the list. We, we obviously haven't delved deep into our research of of guys who can fill that role, but. You could certainly do a lot, lot worse than Jeff Green in terms of, you know, can shoot the three ball okay. Obviously, he would have got a lot more experience doing that in Houston. You know, still a decent enough athlete, hasn't totally lost. He'll all give you that. like one poster dunk like every 10 games, and you'll be like, yo, this guy still has this much juice. Like, he'll throw down dunks, and I'm just like, holy shit, Jeff Green. Like, why can't you do this normally? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, Nick, I wanted to finish with uh, a bit of an unsavory topic. Uh, Kyrie Irving posted on his Instagram uh, the other day uh, a, a Native American um, with the the caption "Sitting Bull," and to say that there were unsavory responses uh, in in response to that post would be an understatement. I we've talked about I guess the the sort of trivial comments from guys like John Hollinger and these agents and stuff. Look, that's I guess water off a duck's back in relation to this sort of racist fucking garbage that people on social media think they have the right to talk about and throwing racist terms racist comments any any form of racism objectification or just uh, object whatever i I, i'm a bit flustered talking about this topic Nick, because it's something that really infuriates me in terms of we know how important Kyrie's heritage is to him it's a, a massive reason why he has struggled at points of his career mentally and physically. And for him to just want to express himself in whatever way, everyone should have the freedom of expression, no matter who you are, where you're from, what your heritage is, what your family is, what your family line is. Everyone should have that right, no matter what. Social media, unfortunately, gives racist dickheads a, a platform to go, fuck this, fuck that, N-word this, all these different sort of comments and I, 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 I apologize for swearing but I think given the gravity of this topic and the seriousness of it sometimes profanities are okay on a public yeah. platform and when talking about this and I don't want to give these racists uh, a platform so I'm not going to say any of the comments because it's Kyrie Irving that deserves the platform to express himself that's why I mentioned his post and, and his caption but just everyone else who feels like the need to make a comment just shut your goddamn mouth simple as yeah. that just zip it up where you got nothing nice to say don't say it at all and i'm not obviously a broad statement you can obviously have a bit of banter or whatever but keep his name out of your mouth if you're gonna keep it classy if you're gonna talk shit you know what i mean like if you want to yeah. say something bad about somebody or be like you know oh i don't think Kyrie, he's overrated or something like that whatever that's fine don't say racist things. Don't talk bad about someone's heritage. Don't, you know what I mean? Like, like you said, Jack, the day and age we live in with social media allows people to be 
essentially fake or like talk as much shit as they want and not get reprimanded because they can hide behind a Avi or a logo or whatever they want to, you know, hide and no one really knows who they are. It's not going to impact their personal life until, you know, Twitter cancels them or something like that. But it is pretty disgusting given that he didn't even tweet anything or post anything offensive on Instagram. He posted a picture of a native American sitting bull, which I believe has some historical uh, reference. I'm not, I'm not, crazy on American or Native American history, but I'm sure it's not anything offensive. And these people just kind of attacked him. Like if I wanted to post something about being Italian, would people post racist things? Probably not. So like leave him alone, let him post what he wants to post. And like you said, Jack, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all because it's just kind of, it's so crazy that people hate their lives so much that they go out of their way to try to make other people unhappy and say negative things about them. Like I could never envision myself going to a post and not liking an athlete and commenting. I would just scroll past them or just not think about them or maybe, and I would never go and say anything offensive like racially or anything that's like crossing the line. Like if I was going to say anything like, for example, if I was talking bad about a player, I don't like, let's say like Kyle Lowry, like Kyle Lowry is annoying the shit out of me tonight because he's flopping. Like that's as far as I'd really go. You know what I mean? Or just say he's a flopper. Like there's ways to criticize or joke around or banter or whatever you want to say about athletes and stuff like that. But the way that people act sometimes is just disgusting. Like there's not a better word for it because it's like as a human, why why are you going out of your way to attack somebody that essentially has no impact on your your life on a day-to-day basis? Yeah, there has to be something deeply wrong in your heart and soul if that yeah. is how you choose to respond to something like this. And, you know... Again, I've been, like you sort of mentioned about Kyle Lowry. I've been guilty of that. I've, I've called him like a fat ass or whatever. <laughs> like bum or whatever. But to me, you know, I'm not attacking him for something that is, that is, that is a part of who, that is a part of his identity. You know, yeah. it's, it's maybe, again, maybe it's something I need to look at myself and go, all right, is that crossing a line or whatever? And if I get called, there have been times where I've talked about things. I've gotten called out for them. I've been like, look, I don't know. You know more than me. I'll shut the fuck up. And sometimes people need to be told that and to have to be educated in that sort of way. And these people are are beyond education. One thing I will say as a comparison point, there have been death threats that have been thrown at um, Australian footballers throughout this AFL season uh, and and, and threats to kill family members and that sort of thing. We saw Danny Green freaking get them in the finals. Police have got involved down here and people who have made those comments have actually been charged. So... It is a good thing that's happening down here. It needs to happen everywhere else because some of this bullshit is just like uh, the person or who figures this out deserves a trillion dollars because no one, no matter who you are, no matter, uh, I, I mean, it just deserves to get any level of hate for just whatever they choose to be and, and whoever, whoever person now there are obviously exceptions to that rule but when you are posting things like your family heritage and and things that are important to your part of your identity you know it just it's again uh, there's a darkness in people's souls that just it's it's bewildering it it really is bewildering yeah it's just just really disappointing like you said jack i think you know you have to do something about it reprimand them in some way because this is something that like these people just grow up and be terrible humans you know, because a lot of them are teenagers or kids that don't understand and don't really ever learn and they never have to deal with it. And they're the same people you see on the news, you know, spewing racist things and being arrested or, you know, sent to jail or having to deal with these aspects. So obviously we could talk about this topic for, you know, another hour. But Jack, anything else you want to touch on today? 
Uh, no, Nick, but somehow I, I don't get how we get an hour or however long we've been spending talking about random topics. Uh, and we've still got trade episodes that are going to be dropping uh, in the coming days as well. So make sure you subscribe and stay tuned. Yeah, subscribe, rate, and review. Everything is appreciated. And if you ever want us to, you know, catch on a topic on uh, an episode, hit us up on Twitter at the JmanJBT at OTG Nick. You know, let us know. And as always, you can find us on all streaming platforms. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.